welcome back to another edition of Chatterbox. My tool of the week this week is a great little mascara gadget by Tweezerman called the Nomas Mascara Guard. This keeps mascara on the lashes as you paint, it protects freshly applied makeup around the eye area and is used under the lower lashes or above the upper lashes. It's a great gadget for makeup artists and non-makeup artists alike and something you should definitely add into your kits or makeup bags. Out and about in London this week, I've been continuing to look at vegan products and came across a brand called Sukin. Sukin, an Australian natural brand, is something I found in Planet Organic, originally from Melbourne in Australia, identified a gap in the market for high efficacy and environmentally sustainable and affordable natural skincare. This really appeals to my ethics for looking at these products for vegan values and is something that I've been really wanting to explore and add to my kit as we go forward. Now Sukin utilises an abundance of beautiful botanicals, antioxidants and also essential oils and this is going to be great for skin restoring natural vitality and radiance. So this really appeals to me when I'm looking for certain products for working on professional makeup shoots or personal clients. One of the things I picked up was the oil balancing mattifying facial moisturiser. Now this moisturiser is a really great product, I've only been using a little while but it's already going to be something going straight into my kit. I was really really pleasantly surprised with how matte it actually just made the skin. Now, when you're working as a makeup artist, matteness and shine halation are two very important controls that you want to work with on camera. So mattifying male skin or mattifying females with you know, oily or normal combination skins can really make skin and foundations up well without extra shine. So this is something I've been really impressed with. I will have shown the students this week. And the mattifying facial moisturizer was really immediately matte when you applied it. Now sometimes with oil control lotions and oil control moisturisers, it's not necessarily as instant gratification based as this one was. So it really, really was something I was quite impressed by. I picked up 125ml, it wasn't particularly expensive. Probably in the UK that was only about like £10. So very cost effective for students starting their kits. But I'm really impressed with it and I noticed when I was looking through the different moisturisers, they have loads of different ones for different sort of remedies. So this one, the Mattifying Facial Moisturiser, is oil balancing and aimed at a normal to oily skin type. So it's definitely something that will definitely impart less of a hydration and more shine control as a professional makeup artist. And I'll keep you posted, but so far so good. I'm really, really impressed with this one. For makeup artists, a moisturiser is an essential to make sure that the surface is really prepped, ready for foundation application. But it can also be a huge mistake and an error if you pick a moisturiser with too many oils that can't saturate and absorb and are left floating on the surface which gives you a shiny effect on camera. Now as a younger makeup artist I'm sure this was something I encountered, continually powdering, heavily powdering, overtly powdering models during shoots, trying to control the oil or using blot films, but essentially it strips back to just the fact that the moisturiser could have been too heavy. Now, as you know, I found the Sukin Oil Balancing Mattifying one this week, and that's certainly something that's going to appeal to me for a matte base or a vegan option for the client. But another thing that I've developed myself for the kit is Hydrology. Hydrology is inspired by my love of Korean skincare. It's a light transformative gel, and it breaks down to an essence. Now, an essence is lighter than a serum. It contains aloe, and it has calming, soothing properties. And it's the perfect amount of hydration to topically prepare the skin for foundation but not give me too much surplus shine on camera once the foundation is applied. That's Chromoil Hydrology I designed available at House of Glamdolls. The next hydrator I want to talk to you about is Charlotte Tilbury Magic Cream. Now at a steep price point of £70 we would expect a lot from this product. 
It's true that it's a rich product, it's very rich and indulgent, it has an SPF 15, hyaluronic acid, vitamins, rosehip oil, camellia oil, and at 150ml is a good jar size, it contains aloe and shea as well. But I think this would really fall into my category of hype over substantiation. Uh, Magic Cream for me is a really beautiful product if you're looking for a luxury item to keep on a dressing table, but it's not something I would put in my kit as, as a professional makeup artist, it's too indulgent and too heavy, and I look for more lightweight options that would give me such a rich, saturated hydration level. But for a consumer who loves decadent luxury products and premium makeup and skincare, I think it would be the one. Next on my list of favourite moisturisers is a cult one, which is the Embrylise Le Cray Concentrate. It's one that I first discovered in Paris when I was doing Paris Runway and Paris Fashion Weeks, and all the models have this amazing tube of moisturiser by Embrylise in their personal makeup kits and bags. And soon it became something we all found and loved and enjoyed and continually continued to buy them from the pharmacies when we travelled to Paris. It's a very rich cream, it has a satin veil and it's a makeup artist's favourite. It contains aloe, hydrolyzed soy protein, it's much more readily available now. And it's something, you know, formulated in 1950 that's been a classic. So the Embrylise Le Creme Concentrate is something I'm going to classify as one of my cult kit moisturisers in this review of all hydrators. Next, my Korean beauty favourite, Dr. Jart, again this time for my kit and hydration with Ceramidin Cream. Ceramidin Cream comes in a tube and is rich and nourishing. It's like a butter soft cream texture that gives an amazing glow to the skin. It is lightweight, but I like to really sort of massage that into the skin to give a cushioned effect and leave it there for an ultimate glow within the foundation or within the actual texture of the skin on camera. So when I'm using Ceramidin, it really becomes a mixing product that's very indulgent and very repairing and it almost gives you that deep saturated quench thirsting nourishing base to work your foundations into particularly great for close-up beauty work or for doing very close-up macro work where the skin texture has to be ultimately hydrated so there's no dehydration or topical surface dryness. Increasingly we're more and more aware that mixology and DIY makeup is becoming the trend. Now with Chroma Wheel, the product range that I private label We've been aware of this for some time and they're really encouraging people to create their own creations. I was really pleasantly surprised when I saw in the um, department store here that Clinique had launched Custom Fit Hydrate and Treat. Now this is really interesting because it really shows consumer mixology. It's an established Estee Lauder brand like Clinique really showing that the consumer demand is moving towards personalised makeup and DIY options. It's essentially three dramatically different moisturiser bases and they allow you to take and select your own active cartridge to change it to your specification. There are five cartridges that you can opt for and three bases, so that really does give you a diverse option for making it as bespoke to what you might want. First active cartridge is really working on sort of worries or concerns to remedy open pores or pore dilation. The second active cartridge was if you've got more fatigued skin or you're worried about dryness and you know just generally not looking refreshed and hydrated. The next one was for uneven skin texture and resurfacing. There's an additional one for lines or wrinkles if you're aging or prematurely aging and that's your concern. And another one if you've just got very hypersensitized or irritated skin. I think this is a really important point in the makeup and skincare development industry where we're really looking to the East options. This making your own item and creating it to your own needs and taking control of your skincare and beauty is something we'll see continually grow and I'm really excited to see what comes next. 
There you have it, just some of my favourite moisturisers and hydrators for camera skin, for makeup artists and consumers alike. I'm sure if you have a look at any of those moisturisers, you'll find something perfect to suit your needs. Good luck everyone and I hope you'll check them out. Again, I just want to take a moment to say thank you to everybody that has subscribed and is continuing to go along with Chatterbox and see what's coming up on our podcast each Sunday. I really do appreciate the feedback you give, any emails you send us at office at houseofglamdolls.com with any questions you want answered. And really, this is a provision of actually answering any questions you may have. I get the luxury of doing that in the makeup school with my students, answering them in real time. But we would love to hear from you. And if there's anything you would like us to answer, then feel free to drop us an email or a message. And we'll be sure to make sure that that's covered in the podcast weekly. One of the biggest questions I get asked a lot as a teacher is how on earth can I improve my eyelining skill? It's just so difficult and I can't keep control. The customer blinks, they wink, it smudges, it flicks, the mascara creases the liner, the brush loses control, I end up trying to do a flick and I end up somehow just losing speed, I can't stop and then I do a huge big sort of whip crack at the end and it's crashed into the bone structure in the socket and it's all gone wrong. So let's talk about some of the things that will help you with eyelining. There is a difference between different eyeliners out on the market. Some of those gel liners dry very fast, some of them dry very slow. So you will have to experiment to find the black gel eyeliner that you are really finding works with you and with your momentum. I've also found that when you breathe out and you exhale when you eyeline, that helps your momentum with the glide of the brush and it stops you kind of holding your breath which can also restrict your movement and also give you further problems technically. As well as the fact you're not breathing, that's a huge technical issue. Joking aside, it is absolutely imperative that you control your breathing when you are actually eyelining because you might just realise you're concentrating so hard that you've actually affected that. So be sure to make sure you exhale as you do the glide of the motion with your eyeliner brush. Liquid eyeliner is the most challenging. It is the one that's most viscous and runny. So if the customer is to blink, it can catch your brush and it can smudge. If it does do that, there's no way around it. You have to fix it. Micellar water, micellar water with oil and a Muji very fine Q-tip just to try and invisibly repair any damage that's come through that process. But liquid eyeliner is definitely one of those things that you need through repetition and practice to gain your confidence with it. I think the route to liquid eyeliner is via gel liner. If you can control a gel liner, the next step up is to improve the smooth gradient of the liquid liner and the control will come from being quite competent with gel lining. Nothing quite surpasses liquid liner in terms of how shiny or matte and intense black it looks. If you're not a professional or you're using something that you need to achieve quite quickly, then my favourite pencil eyeliners are the 24-7 water-resistant pencils by Urban Decay. Such a great range of shades and such a great lasting durability texture and formula, I really can't be without them. They just absolutely hold under heat and duress of studio environment. Brush-wise, I definitely look into the MyKitco range of small brushes and Louise Young. And also just hit the art store. The art store is a great place to find really tight technical eyelining brushes used by painters for fine detail. Of course all the clients want a black flick eyeliner. It's something they've seen in iconic glamour icons around the world or in movies or in Bollywood and of course that's something they bring to the table when they ask you to do the eye makeup. For me when I'm doing a black eyeliner I just go around the arc of the eyeline along the base of the lashes and then stop for a second to reflect on the elevation ramp. If there's the ability to elevate the eye and pull up from the side, then obviously that will present itself at that point. If you go around the actual arc of the lashes, stop and then estimate whether there's an elevation opportunity. If the eyeliner can go up, I just nudge it forward, elevating slightly and carrying on until I hit some sort of danger point or a socket or bone structure 
which might impart some damage to the line I'm trying to create. The younger eye obviously has less issues, an older eye has more issues. Maybe there is a hooded eye or a drop socket, or there's creasing, or there are fine lines which are really giving you aggravation to the brush glide. Then actually in that scenario, a smaller flick is going to be more appropriate because the texture of the skin will help you more. I would never stretch the eye, I would never kind of pull up the canopy of a hooded eye and then drop it because essentially that's not going to help you in the relaxed state of the eye looking forward. So if you go to the corner of the outer eye and then just nudge gradually elevating at about 45 degrees, that will give you the general indication whether a flick would work. If the client wants to see it, then you should actually do it always so they can see if it works or doesn't work and whether they're happy with it. And if it doesn't work, opt for another design. There are so many eye makeups you can do, and even using an eyelash with a flare or a tight liner can give you such dramatic results. You don't always have to end up with the flick liner the client might have thought was the only solution. So be creative and be appropriate to the bone structure you're working on and make sure you come up with a successful solution. With the students in the school, I get them to practice drawing those kind of arcs because we've got to remember it's not a flat line. You are going around the curve of an eyelid, so there is a canopy curve and an arc that the momentum of the brush has to take. If you practice on something just like a household potato or a ping pong ball, something where you can practice drawing lines with a liquid liner around curves, that practice and eye-hand coordination really does pay dividends. And students that put that diligence in do actually notice that when they're on the eye they feel less intimidated because they're used to drawing around curves, so something to try. I hope that gives you some ideas on black eyelining or any colour you're using and then if you look at the show notes I will put some of my favourite eyeliner brushes there for reference points for you so you can find those. Certain makeup artists really are mavericks and change the industry and for those we really regard them as industry experts and icons. Today I'm joined by one of those women, Ruby Hammer MBE. So Ruby, as an ambassador for all-inclusive skin tones, skinclusivity, what would you say has been a learning curve for you regarding managing skin tones as a professional makeup artist? As a makeup artist, I guess we have to be aware of all kinds of skin tones. Um, that, mean, that doesn't necessarily mean you will have worked with every single skin tone, but you need to be aware of them all. And you, need, you do need a sort of selection in your kit so that it covers from the palest to the darkest shades. And if you can't have it from one particular brand, the one thing I would recommend is something from Bobbi Brown. It's a universal palette. It's got loads and loads of shades and it's a wonderful tool to boost your confidence so that you know you've got most things in there. You can mix and blend and have an achievable skin tone. So Ruby, you've worked extensively with Millie Kendall and you have this almost Wonder Woman and She-Ra kind of double act of superheroes in the makeup industry, Mavericks, both of you. And having both gained MBEs, you've created brands and you've been involved 360 degrees in this industry to such an extent. What would you say has been your personal greatest triumph? It's quite hard to sort of evaluate your greatest triumph because I still feel as though I'm a jobbing artist, I'm working away, so it's quite hard to think, oh, is it all over? But if you had to pin me down, I would say I have two triumphs, if I'm allowed. Um, the first would be the co-creation of Ruby and Millie. I do think somewhere, and as time goes on, and would you believe in 2000, sorry, 1998 we launched, and we're now in 2019, 20 years later, I think it's still my personal, and hopefully Millie's too, um, triumph, because we brought something to the masses 
we allowed somebody that was on a high street by co-partnering with them something that hadn't ever been done before many other things have been done since but we were the first in that and even if you look at some brands that are out there now like milk there's out and out whether they accept it or not I think lots of things out there in the marketplace have copied something that we really brought in those days they made a retailer listen to the masses we had to shake them out of you know trying to do concealers and foundations that were for darker skins before we've heard of all this diversity and exclusive you know inclusiveness and all those kind of things that we didn't give terms to and the other great thing for me is like look I wasn't born in this country I came from Nigeria my parents were from Bangladesh um, receiving my MBE for the cosmetics industry that's a personal triumph because it still chokes me up when I think about it and I think it wasn't for just being a makeup artist it was a nod to our industry and perhaps for what we've done for that industry because it's given me a lot back and hopefully I can return some of that back. Tell us what is the experience card you can advise a less experienced makeup artist in terms of achieving sustainability and also remaining relevant in the ever-changing industry and true to your vision as a makeup artist? I guess one of the first things about being, you know, having a long-standing career in, in this industry is you've got to be really honest with yourself about your own skills and do the sort of graft of research, you know, whether it's just going and looking at the model that you're supposed to be working with the next day or the artist or whatever it is. Do as much of that as you can and prepare as much as you can. And at the end of it, and just be open on the day because you're going to have to listen to a brief. It's come from someone. It hasn't just come in your own head. And try to fulfill that to the best of your skills. After that, it's there's a little bit of magic. I always think that some kind of magic comes and not everything is in our control. And as long as you give your best, you've learned the skills, you haven't seen a sort of dark model and not taken something to prepare for that, well, you're not going to sustain the day, let alone a career if you do that, are you? So I would really just work on yourself, your lights, your strengths, develop your weaknesses, practice. Thankfully, makeup is one of those skills that you do get better the more you practice it. And don't worry so much about you're suddenly going to be the new Picasso that changes the world, because very few of us are like that. We're not all got God's grace like Pat McGrath, and you don't need to. You just need to do the thing day by day, step by step. And when you look back, it's like skiing. You'll have seen how far you came from. On the question of trend, I don't think really trend is relevant anymore. I think companies still rely on that to market things, but the industry kind of consumer has moved on and doesn't really respect trend. I think that individuality now sets the direction. And what does future beauty hold in store for us, do you think, Ruby? One of the things that's always asked is like, what does the future hold? Um, in the old days, from when I started, it used to be trend-led, you know, and that was by the fashion shows. You've kind of waited with bated breath to see what those are. Now you can watch it as it's streaming before your eyes. So some of this is a, is a little bit irrelevant because I've always said that if you all you do is sort of bind yourself to a trend, one is 
where it's, it's a bit irrelevant and secondly it becomes it becomes sort of irrelevant as soon as you've applied it you know you need to just be aware of them yes this is what's going on at the shows this is what's on TV these are the hit programs or books you read or something you have to be alert and in the end you can forge ahead like skin part of being a makeup artist or whatever in the is about skin so how do we achieve that you have to keep abreast of the latest technology or the products or the brushes or your own skills will have improved that's better to look at and one minute you know if you're just following an Instagram one just know life is cyclical and in six months six weeks one day 30 seconds it's going to become redundant as a makeup artist starting out, I remember seeing you Ruby on TV so many times. I mean, what would surprise us about you? You're so diverse in so many interests. I know you travel extensively. You're very well read. You have so many interests. I mean, you've conquered so much in this industry. What would you say is something you wish you did and still aspire to achieve? I think one of the things that would surprise everybody is I have got quite a potty mouth. <laughs> so they look at me outside and they think, oh, she's all petite and she's all like that. And I am nice, I am, but I have got a foul mouth and a very descriptive potty mouth so that that many people who do know me will will be laughing and people who don't know me will say oh really the other thing is look at the end of the day um what i would still like to do is i just want to keep at the top end of my craft that means not selling out for money or not not doing i just want to be able to do what i do at the highest level that's attainable with within reason i can't be doing vogue shoots every day now and it's a bit silly to 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 expect that but i still want to do and maintain a high standard of work and that people still are willing to listen to what i say and i don't think that love will ever ever go inevitably progression brings change how do you feel about the current instagram generation style of makeup and emulating endless versions of which is essentially the same thing. Okay, so with the Instagram generation, you know, thinking they are, they've created everything. And I don't say this disrespectfully. I think it's, it's wonderful to have that sort of youthful drive and energy. But you have to realise not one of us have created anything. And in the Instagram thing in particular, it's as though they think they're doing something brand new, but it's been done before. And then when you look, when you sort of go through quite a few ones, you'll see that it's not actually that unique. <laughs> so they're kind of using this. This is where this, this is a sort of double-handed uh, sword where you can see every product that was used and everyone's using it in exactly the same way and not in a slightly different way. And when somebody does it a little bit different, then everyone else copies that, his or her thing, and it ends up being exactly the same. So that's why I think, look, just be aware that not everything is that unique. And you just have to keep working away at your own skills. Like, I, I you have to be really confident of your own likes and dislikes. Sometimes I look at something that, my God, and on Instagram, I look at that and I think, wow, that was unbelievable. You know, it's, it's, it's inspiration. I can take a little bit of it. But if I fully copied it, well, 
and without acknowledging where that came from because we all do take something from someone and it's all over the years so it's not instantaneous um, and it's also this sort of tunnel vision release yourself from that and realize we all learn from somebody somebody's learning from you and it all goes around and as soon as it's all matte somebody is going to bring a bit of swig of gloss and it becomes glossy after a bit of gloss for a while you get fed up oh i want it to be this and i want it to be that that's how life is and in a funny strange way creative life is a bit like that so you can't take full credit for everything yourself um but just slave away at it your just just be able to see what you're picking up how it influences you and with a bit of humour and a bit of, you know, respect. What is your personal beauty mantra? I get asked this often quite a lot, like, what is your personal beauty mantra? And I probably have three. One used to be blend, blend, blend. The other one, and I have to say, I do stick to it, it's little but often. Whatever that is, if you do a little bit but it's regular, you're going to see the result, whatever that is. And lastly, I think this is a, probably the most important mantra I've realised, is actually look at your work. So if as an artist you've done it on somebody, stand back for 30 seconds and just look at it objectively. If it's somebody who's done their makeup to themselves, again, do the same thing, because we all sort of float off in our head and we don't see what's right in front of us. As a makeup artist, you're paid to do that a little bit, but that's what I'd say. The biggest thing is genuinely just cast a magnifying glass for a few seconds on your work, and then whatever it tells you, try to react to that. Don't just ignore that. If we could identify the persona trait that radiates essential beauty, what is that to you? It's really funny, but what constitutes beauty or what gives it off and for me it comes from all sorts of different things so it's not one you know like she's blue-eyed and blonde or she's dark and, and olive-skinned or anything like that I think there's many 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 kinds of beauty out there and one of the biggest things I know it sounds mad but if someone smiles and they do it from their whole being and comes through their eyes they will be perceived as beautiful uh, more than a scowl or somebody glaring at you or a bit of aggression or something like that. And also I think it's not about grey hair or being immaculate or not being imperfect or being perfect and then with just one little bit of imperfection. It's not that either. I just think at the end of the day is what your eyes perceive, see. What you, you've got other senses as well, you know, how someone smells, how the energy that somebody gives off, um, a bit of kindness and compassion, um, laughter. There's, there's all kinds of little things that at that minute your soul recognises that's a bit of beauty. Ruby, you were one of the first makeup artists I can even remember that was awarded an MBE here in the United Kingdom. What was that day like and what did it mean to you? I don't think I'll ever forget that hot May afternoon 2007 when I received my MBE with Millie it has mixed it has lots of mixed emotions because as I said I am a daughter of an immigrant so 
it really meant, and by that time my father had passed away two years ago, I really wished he had seen that, look dad, I've arrived. So that was on a personal level. Secondly, it's as a woman that you've achieved something. Something that probably my father never, you know, thought I'd be a doctor or something like that. But in our industry, we'd received an accolade that hopefully has opened the doors for recognition in other spheres. It's not just for your makeup artistry, but it's about the jobs that are behind it, from the scientists to the retail things, to packaging, to design, to creativity, photography. Whatever that was, it, it was just a way of recognition for something. And I don't think I'll ever forget that day for as long as I live. Why do people choose House of Glam Dolls over other makeup schools? I think if you look at the Google reviews, really the people that have been here in the footsteps of potential students really answers that for you. I think they find a environment of full colour, expression, comparative brands, no pressure to buy or shop, a complete polybranded experience with so many new makeup innovations and products to test and try, but also a wealth of information that they can source and utilise to invest in themselves to create a better artist within themselves. And that's fundamental to what we do here. My job as the owner of House of Glam Dolls is to go into your creativity, go into your ability and really make a better version of yourself to attack the industry with your creative foot forward and really try and help you find a niche audience where you can explore your makeup artistry and find a place in the industry that it exists today. It's very difficult to break into the makeup industry. You have to have a perspective of what you're trying to achieve, where you're trying to go and also you own that momentum. It's an ephemeral industry. It's not fair. It's not going to help you. You have to be persistent. It's a stayers race. And every makeup artist that has survived in the industry has found their way tenaciously to actually explore the industry, bring into the industry its new merits, and find a way and a path to cut through and forage for themselves an exploration of this amazing industry that we work within. Bridal makeup artistry is the easiest way to start trying to make a return of investment and that's something we always encourage our students to do. And along with retail, retail really gives you an amazing opportunity of customer service skills which you would be void of if you hadn't spent time on the shop floor really understanding faces and skin tones and customers' dilemmas and needs. So all in all, the House of Glamdors provides a wealth of information, a wealth of products in an unbiased opinion manner and environment where you can try out new things, meet new people, but also you know that you're in the safety of not being judged in the way that your skills would be performed. We build them up, construct your skills, help you achieve technical perfection, and then allow you to use modern apps and technology to try and make them more relevant for the current industry. If you're building up from a technical perspective, that allows you to be creative, but it underpins your skills and it underpins your creativity with technical excellence. And I think as many people have seen and have been to the school have commented, the House of Glamdolls is the number one school in London for technical precision and pattern cutting, which allows you to go on and be avant-garde and express yourself in your own individuality. Also, do remember there are part payment options available and finance plans to help you. So if you're finding it's difficult to find your way to the House of Glamdolls because it's expensive or you can't afford it, then get in touch and we'll see what we can do to help you to kind of budget your way into starting your studies. This week we've had Ellis Atlantis from Instagram in the school teaching drag and Instagram techniques and I asked him a little bit about how he got on. So today I've been teaching Instagram Glam 
And it was quite strange, really, because the students had to forget any technique they already had and kind of adopt my new technique that I was giving to them and kind of trust the process. So it was interesting to see which students just got on with it and which ones needed that gentle push to kind of say, come on, just let go and just have fun with it. It's just makeup. You can wipe it off. So it doesn't really matter what the outcome is as long as you're kind of learning. And that's really the end goal is just to really learn as much as you can and to never stop learning. I was really pleased with how they just managed to really take the challenge head on and just really work with colour. And I think I kept on throwing challenges at them and giving them different colour combos. Like one of the girls did like blue blended out with yellow and like a purple in there as well. And she said it was colours that she'd never used, but she just literally got on with it and turned out like an amazing look. And I think it was just nice to see like the funness and them just really enjoying this new technique I'd given them. The thing I like about teaching is all the little tidbits of knowledge that I've kind of gained, I get to pass them on. And I think it's really nice to see like the shock and the surprise in people's eyes when they see like all these little tips on how they make makeup applications so much easier. And I think a lot of people just look at me like I create this makeup looks that are super hard. But when I actually teach the makeup looks to people, they're always so shocked at how easy it is to do it and how I managed to break it all down. And that's what I really love about teaching is just seeing the surprised element in their faces when they can just see how easy it is and that they're able to do it too. I think to me, the reason why I love Instagram makeup so much is because it just has no rules and it's just all about being colourful, expressing yourself and just trying to create something new and always just challenging yourself. And as well, it's a little bit about living your everyday drag fantasy because at the end of the day, Instagram makeup just looks like casual drag to me. This week I'm looking at the work of Paul Clay, one of my favourite makeup artist inspirations, an artist from 1920s and 1922, particularly a painting called Senecio. Senecio is a really beautiful geometric reflection of um, Paul Clay's work, which is really looking at the idea of colour placement and geometry. I really love the playfulness of the way he places colour and shape in this and gives us a portrait of what he refers to as an old man, but what we will actually look at in the painting as quite a contemporary makeup mask face. I love this painting, and essentially if you look at it, you Google it, Senecio 1922 Paul Clay, you'll see what I mean when you look at this painting and see how much of a reference point it is for contemporary expressionist makeup. Clay was a teacher at the Bauhaus Museum of Art and Architecture, and his natural expressionism and cubism styles he does show in this painting. Thank you for joining me this week for Chatterbox and I look forward to having you again with us soon. If you're out there listening and there's something you'd love to ask us, just send us an email to office at houseofglamdolls.com and we'll be sure to include it in the programme.